0: Hello listeners, today is a very special episode. I was honestly so nervous about meeting these ladies. I'm really excited that professionals are beginning to come out and speak out on being supportive of this industry when it is people doing it based on agency and sex work. I've just been a little terrified to mess it up, so I've been apprehensive, but uh, I think that everyone will really enjoy this episode. My guests really introduced themselves, so I'll leave that to them. You can check out their respective websites I've attached in the show notes to know more about their credentials as well as our current projects well without further delay i hope everyone is excited to hear this educating episode with these two lovely sex work allied therapists meredith and carly
1: there's a lot of people who are trying things that they've never tried before sex
0: why do you think people don't see
2: it as work
1: i don't know i think there's just too much stigma
2: what do you mean we can't just go tell people
0: the vast uh complexity of human sexuality the Escort Deconstructed Welcome to the podcast Carly and Meredith Thank you for being here today Thanks Thank for, having, for us. having us I'm really flattered that both of you decided to come And they came on their own time everyone That is uh, quite the testament to appreciating this industry um, So I think it's really important to humanize all the guests involved despite these two ladies being exceptional professionals. So I was just hoping that you would tell me a little bit about yourself and kind of how you ended up in this line of work.
1: I should start. Sure. Um, so um, my name's Meredith. Meredith. Um, I am a social worker. So I work part-time at a geriatric care facility and part-time I run a private therapy practice. Um, I think probably... Like most people, like my path to social work wasn't necessarily linear. I thought about a bunch of different options and volunteered a bunch of different places and spoke to a bunch of different people and then really realized that at the heart of like what I wanted to do was working with people and being connected to people and their stories and social work was just kind of the perfect fit for me. So that's how I
0: got there. Mm (laughs) I like that. I approve.
2: <laughs> how about you? I'm Carly. Um, I'm also a social worker uh, by trade, um, but I don't practice frontline anymore. But how I got into social work is a similar story to Mare. I, I knew I wanted to work with people. Um, I come from like a very matriarchal, left-wing family. Oh my god, amazing. Um, and I always knew I wanted to do something with women. My interest was always in what society deemed deviant. And I didn't understand why some populations were deemed deviant. And I wanted to work with women and people who were marginalized for unfair reasons. And so social work seemed like the perfect venue to do that.
0: That's so amazing. So you don't work in social work anymore, though? What do you do I do. About? I do work in social oh, work. But sorry. I don't
2: – sorry, I, it's confusing. Um, I don't do – I don't work one-on-one with clients anymore. I, oh, okay. r- I run an agency um, and support – other counselors to do their job Um, but um, I'm a director of the program now
0: cool a bunch of cronies it's a bad way of putting it. (laughs) that's very cool you're both in social work so is there a right way to identify someone like that I'm not sure when I start looking at what a therapist is what a psychoanalyst is what a social worker is can you kind of just clarify what the difference is there or if there is a better one suited to a certain situation someone's looking for
1: I think honestly it comes down to preference, and I think in a lot of ways when you're engaging in talk therapy, you're going to have a lot of similar uh, things from people with uh, all those different backgrounds are sort of rooted in a lot of similar principles. I think social work differs in different contexts because social work also has a lot of sort of action oriented pieces to it. So those are, you're going to find social workers in hospitals doing sort of that frontline advocacy work, resource finding work. Um, You'll find social service workers doing a similar thing. Um, It really comes down to sort of a preference of approach and modality. Um, yeah, in terms you, of the difference. you could be a psychotherapist,
2: you could be a social worker practicing therapy, right? Mm-hmm. Like most. Like, tons of the people on psychology today, for example, are, in fact, social workers. Right. So social workers practice therapy, but social workers can also do advocacy and case management depending on their role.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I don't think it's as much about someone's... I mean, you want to see someone who's credentialed in some way. Right. But I think it's much more about fit and personality and modality Mm -hmm. um, than it is about, like, oh, do you have this... Are you a social worker or are you uh, psychologist
1: a, like, a, a psychologist? Or,
0: yeah. I feel like I very much needed this definition to fully
2: understand because yeah, I just it's get confusing. confused. It's confusing. I think the other really confusing. important <clears throat> distinguishing factor of social work and part of our education as social workers is that social work is grounded in anti-oppressive practice. And I don't know that psychology is grounded in that, like, that. I don't think that's like a core component of psychology, um, but it's supposed to be a core component of social work
0: which makes a lot of sense for working with all of society, doesn't it? You, you think so. <laughs> that brings us into why both of you are here today, because I tried to find uh, social workers that were sex worker allied, sex worker friendly, and kind of cold emailed a bunch of people and then got in touch with you, Meredith, and then you knew Carly, and you brought her along today too. What do you think that label means, and why were both of you kind of interested in coming to talk about this today on this podcast? Mm-hmm.
2: A sex work ally? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so as a social worker whose career has been focused on working with um, people who are involved in the sex trade for a variety of different reasons, I I think of them as a spectrum of experiences. I call them the three Cs, choice, coercion, and the middle is circumstance. So I've been working with people my whole career on that spectrum. It's hard to find other social workers who are interested in, who know about sex work, who, so, I'm, I'm surprised that you even found that many that identify that way. Um, but so when Probably, you, like, 25 out of, like, In Toronto, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, my, yeah, I my dedicated my career to it, so to have the opportunity to talk about my, our work specifically um, with this population is, you know, an exciting opportunity. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think just sort of building on what Carly said about those anti-oppressive principles of social work and just like a person-centered principle, I think in my mind, there's no reason not to be allied with really any population. Yeah. A person that walks into your space because everybody ultimately has a unique experience, has unique set of feelings, a unique set of behaviors, things that are going on in their life and so to me that sort of label is sort of secondary to the whole thing of I don't care who you are or where you come from Doesn't I care. Yeah, yeah. I care about the person that's sitting in front of me and the experiences that you're having.
0: Do you think to say that you're a sex worker allied or Uh, whatever else ally do you think you have to have experience in that area to kind of qualify yourself as allied or do you think it's just an open-mindedness to their situation
2: i think you need to do some your own work around your own values and morals and feelings having to do with that population because i'm willing to guess that a lot of people would be judgmental towards people who are sex workers um and if you aren't self-aware enough to know that, you shouldn't be putting that tag on your profile.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think i that's it's exactly unfair. what I was going to say. I think it's, you really need to, I think when you're in this profession, really be checking sort of the transference and counter-transference that could be happening in a space. And I think doing that internal work to say, who are people or groups of people that I think I could more easily sort of work with in certain ways and what are my assumptions or perceptions of that group and what are things that I maybe need to work harder at to keep myself in check or for some people saying, I don't know if I'm the appropriate person to work with this population.
2: Yeah, totally. There's populations that I wouldn't be good at working with and I can tell you what they would be, I right? Totally, like you yeah. you know that about yourself mm-hmm. and that's your job as a social worker or therapist or whatever. To to know who you're gonna to be able to support in a healthy way, and those that maybe you're not a good fit for. Yeah. Do you think there might be maybe not a
0: lot more, but just more allied social workers if there was more information available on sex workers? Like, I think a big reason lots of people aren't allied is that they don't have a resource base, and there's no research. There aren't textbooks on it. Um, oftentimes, it's third parties writing articles based on. 12 people they talk to for five minutes or something. And I don't think it's negative in any way on purpose, but I think there is just a huge lack of resources, which make it harder to be able to be sex worker allied in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah, I think, I think a stigma, you know, is a huge part of that, right? Like, I think that um, you, there's no course in, in social work school, on working with sex workers no, no. no. My <laughs> I wish I'll teach it I'd like
1: to teach that course
2: um not that I'm an expert but I'd like to be involved in in, in somehow teaching that course so if
1: anybody from any school yeah, is listening, listening yeah. Carly <laughs>
2: call me um
1: no but um
2: yeah no one's teaching you that you have you'd have to be specifically interested in learning about that population you'd have to get a lot of experience working with that population. It's always better to talk to people with lived experience too, because they're the true experts um, in how to support a population. Um, And yeah, it would be great if there was more research about how to effectively and appropriately do therapy or social work practice with a population right like
0: yeah more research would be wonderful I think this is also another open invitation for someone to go do some more research out there (laughs) (laughs) so yeah there was no mention of sex workers in social work I kind of would have thought it would have been a little part of like vulnerable groups of people to look out for a little bit it wasn't really mentioned
1: so I think that that's probably in many ways very school specific I think um I can't speak to the curriculum or sort of what are the, you know, the content of the courses at a lot of the schools social work school for me anyway sort of really laid the sort of groundwork and the foundation right so how you can learn about yourself and how you can learn about yourself in the work and things to be looking out for what sort of a lot of the underlying theories and concepts and modalities of practice are and sort of less focus on specific groups of people and how to work with them more like this is what being in case management or individual counseling looks like. This is what Mm -hmm. um, community practice looks like. This is how you work with groups. Again, I could not That makes a lot of sense
0: with not uh, categorizing people.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that there was, you know, opportunities in, like, assignments to Mm -hmm. be population-specific based on your own interest and your own research. But there were no, like, specific... Courses or I can't even think of any readings that had to do specifically, specifically with sex work. With
1: sex work. <clears throat> no, not that I'm aware
0: of. So it. have either of you ever had a client or, I guess, friend in the past that were sex workers? Both. So, I mean, Carly's Both.
1: Carly's yeah. whole career has been <laughs> <laughs> based around that. So, yeah. Did they, uh, I think that a lot of the times
0: the sex workers are kind of associated with being traumatized in some way i just want to know if that's been your experience with the sex workers you have worked with or if they've done it with agency
2: both all like the three c's right the right answer yeah all (laughs) um yeah there there are people who are consenting adults engaging in sex work it's a valid form of work right um, and then there's some people whose situations and circumstances led them to the sex trade, and then there's some people who are coerced in, into the sex trade, and I think you can move along that spectrum, and it's too complicated to say everyone is being exploited or everyone's doing it by choice. Wait, let's Say that again? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just it's unfair to categorize people that way. It's, um, yeah, some people, you know... why why do people get into social work? Why do people get into any form of work? Some people have had an experience where their lives have been traumatizing and a social worker really helped them and they become a social worker. And some people are like, that sounds like a, I like that you can make your own hours and I like the flexibility and I have great people skills. And like, it's it's just complicated. People do things for a a million different reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's been my experience with, people and the sex trade that I've worked with is that people have a million different stories and a million different reasons how they got there and why they they are there currently mm-hmm. some people you have a trauma history some people do not yeah yeah I would say it's it's like almost like any
0: other profession in a Intentical. way Intentical. Yeah, yeah. and how's your experience so been
1: yeah I mean so I started my private practice just two years ago so it's pretty congratulations new. by the way thank mm-hmm. you Um, And I haven't had that much experience in my private practice with people um, who identify as sex workers. Um, So I think sort of Carly can sort of speak more to that as she just did in that capacity. Um, But I think just along the lines of sort of the assumptions that we make about people and their backgrounds, I think, you know, I don't think you can make assumptions about any person sort of walking into the space. Like that, those are really sort of fundamentally the principles that I approach the work from. So, so how would you
0: say that maybe a sex worker looking for a therapist right now could maybe try to go about finding one that isn't like secretly whore in some way or that would be open to it? Because as I was telling you, I reached out to people that said they were sex worker friendly, but that was based on them seeing a lot of um, sex workers in the past that had bad experiences. And so they would kind of be coaching them out of it and kind of labeling that as the origin of all their issues instead mm-hmm. of something else. Is there even an answer to this question? I actually think
1: that there is. Mm -hmm. So I think that something that a lot of people maybe don't think about is ask for an intake phone call with somebody. Get on the phone with people that you're reaching out to.
0: Yeah, it should be free. Yeah, free. free. Most people, it's free
1: to have a short conversation. And ask those people, like interview them, ask them some of those questions to say, what what are your feelings about this and what would your approach be and where do you stand on this? And I think you can really gauge that based upon somebody's answers. I think you can ask people if they have experience working with a certain population and I think each person would be satisfied with a different answer. I mean, I have some people who have reached out to me to say, I want to work around this specific theme or this specific goal and I tell them you know I don't have a ton of experience in that but I'm willing to read I'm willing to learn and more importantly I'm willing to hear your story and for some people they really want to work with somebody who says yeah I have tons of experience with that so I think don't be afraid to reach out to multiple people don't be afraid to tell them exactly sort of what you want and what's going on and I think the next thing is once you're in the room with somebody A, just because you have one session with them doesn't mean you're like locked into them for life. You're You're more than... You're not cheating
0: on them like with a hairdresser. No, you're not (laughs) cheating on
1: them. But I think it's important to feel that you're in a counseling space where you can have a safe dialogue with the person that you are meeting with, that you're speaking to. So if there's something that they're saying or something that they're doing, that the therapist is saying or doing that doesn't work for you, um, I think it's... important to feel comfortable and safe to have that dialogue with them whether that be hey listen I would prefer to be addressed in this way or hey listen this work is just kind of not working for me and I I'd like to meet with somebody else
0: I don't think you need to have past experience either for the record because like we said I think it's like any other job where you can and can have good and bad pasts Mm -hmm. um I think that what you said is really, really valuable. I think what are your feelings about this is the right way to just unbiasedly ask somebody and just get their actual opinion. I, I would,
2: I'd ask them straight up, what's your, what's your understanding of sex positivity? Okay. If, if you can't answer that question, then they're not the therapist for you.
0: Okay.
2: What's your understanding of harm reduction? Do you believe all sex work is exploitation? Like you can full on ask those questions, and in two seconds, no, tr- that's true. No, if somebody <laughs> it gets it or doesn't get it, yeah, that's true. Okay, there we go. For
0: anyone really wanting those, she just equipped you with the perfect questions. Uh, so, I guess Carly, since you've worked with uh, sex workers, and your experience have been, they've been less forthcoming about the truth than others. No, no,
2: um. I, um no, I, I
0: did have one of those calls, like you said, with a ther- with a potential therapist once and she told me that outright. And then I just thought about that the whole time on the phone call of how am I actually not telling the truth? Did I not realize I wasn't being honest? I don't know that kind of planted that weird seed of doubt. I mean,
2: I think that probably had to do with your comfort level with that person.
0: Maybe there you go, yeah. Right? Like
2: <laughs> if, when you're comfortable with someone, you're more inclined to be open and honest. Yeah. When you're uncomfortable with someone, you're more inclined to not disclose your whole life story. There than, we go. Right? <laughs> I think it's as simple as that. Yeah. Um I mean, I m- literally my, my I only work with people in the sex trade. Like as a therapist, that was my when I was doing that frontline work, that's all I did. Um, I just you know, I have found the people I worked with to be incredible and resilient and amazing and honest and brave and mm-hmm. yeah, not not dishonest.
1: Yeah, I think that I mean I've certainly seen a number of people in my practice who sort of come with one set of original goals, and then we start talking and we get to know each other and we are building rapport and they're feeling safer and then what they're really there for kind of comes out of the woodwork, right? We sort of unpack and discover, you know, some of the things that were under the surface that they didn't feel as comfortable sort of leading with foot first in the door. And I think that that like Carly said is a very natural human response, right? When we want to gauge how safe we are and how, um, where trust is built. And then we feel that we can really unpack our stories, and know that we can do it with somebody or with a group of people that can receive it and receive it, hopefully, right without judgment.
0: Would you ladies agree that it just in general is very difficult to shop for a therapist?
2: Yeah, I think I it's all—it's all about. <laughs> I think it's all about connection mm-hmm. and relationship, and you want the, the person that is the most non-judgmental that you can feel like I can. I can spill my guts too, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think sometimes you get lucky and you meet that person right away, or you're a person that's you know can connect to multiple kinds of people. But sometimes you do have to you know be picky, um, but but yeah, sometimes yeah. you meet that person and you you click and. It's, and they're out there. Don't get discouraged. There. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot
1: of amazing therapists there. And there's no, like, I think, you know, I've definitely seen some people for one session and then they decide to try somebody else. And some people are very transparent about that, too. They say, I want to have a first session with a couple of different people and see where I'm at. So it's not personal. It's you know, like a good it. idea, too. Yeah, it's you know, not personal. I like that idea. Yeah, yeah, I think it really depends. Kind of each person wants and needs very different things out of therapy and out of that therapeutic relationship and so I think a very good first step is to sort of say what is it that I think I might want what might I be looking for and then you go searching for it and you like Carly said you be picky and you ask direct questions and you know I tell every single person when I speak to them on the phone before we meet this is about you and for you you are in the driver's seat of this of this process so I never want people showing up to sessions because they think they have to for me right This like that's the beauty of therapy I think is like you just get this time that's just about you mm-hmm. <laughs> and,
2: like oh my God, your
0: can own we connect needs. so much on that <laughs> <laughs> very different forms of therapy but yeah.
2: Yeah. probably similar in more ways than we
0: think mm-hmm. yeah same So I had these three kind of enormous questions on here because I think every single sex worker listening to this um, is really curious. Just, of I don't even know if you can answer this. Just do your best. Um, Mm -hmm. In your professional experience, what are some effects of just stigma on the psyche? It's
1: detrimental. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I think what happens a lot when you sort of feel part of a stigmatized group is the self-stigma that sort of comes, right? We internalize a lot of that stigma. We, a lot of us sort of work on assumptions. So we we feel like these there's other people that are making me feel stigmatized or making this group of us feel stigmatized and we internalize a lot of those things and then turn them around on ourselves which really impacts our self-esteem which I think for a lot of people leads to a lot of anxiety right a fear of how we're being perceived by other people um it goes to sort of what we think people's expectations are of us whether they be good or bad or indifferent I suppose Mm -hmm. um so I think it's like the, the impact of the stigma is sort of like a two-way thing, right? It impacts how we perceive ourselves and it impacts how we perceive the world around us and how we think others perceive us in that world. So it's, it's a sort of, I think, a complicated web. Yeah,
2: yeah I would totally agree. I think, and you know, a lot of it is out of your control, mm-hmm. right? Like it's a societal norm in some ways, and, but it impacts you. It impacts you. It impacts what I think Mayor uh, answered it perfectly. It's, it's, you think people are thinking that of you. Mm-hmm. And even if they are or aren't, it doesn't matter. The damage is already there, right? <laughs> like it's, a lot of it is internal. And then some of it is a- accurately external. And some people are judging you for what they assume. I would true. say,
0: yeah, it def—it's the worth. It gets to the heart of how you feel about yourself and the worthiness you attach mm-hmm. to yourself. What would kind of be the best way to combat that? I guess just don't let it take away your worth. That just sounds so much easier
1: than it is. It's- <laughs> <Most> totally <things laughs> yeah. and easier yeah. Yeah. than they are. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that there isn't sort of one way to go about tackling some of these things, right? And I think. Um, Again, this really goes back to the individual, right? Every single one of us processes and takes in information and those perceptions and those assumptions very differently. And so the way that we go about understanding them, processing them, tackling them, doing something about them with each person looks very different. But there certainly are tools that we can use in therapy that sort of cut to, you know, what are the core beliefs that I have that are being really triggered or questioned or pushed upon yeah Yeah. challenged by this experience of being sort of stigmatized
2: and how Mm. how is it impacting your functioning yeah right like we would we would ask all those questions Mm -hmm. and then determine what would be would make most sense in order to challenge those
1: thoughts Mm
0: -hmm. is there kind of an ideal way to deal with Someone talking to you blatantly stigmatizing you like oh so things got that bad for you that you had to go suck dick or Mm -hmm. something like is it best to kind of ignore something like that is it best to say it's fine if you disagree is it best to you know like what is the best because like we all face this all the time Mm -hmm. and we kind of
2: always are like should i say something should i not say something should i i mean i would ask yourself what, will it make you feel better to say something? Because like, I, I mean, will you teach the person to say something? And like, what if how will that they? That is the question. Right? You know, like you have to ask yourself. Sometimes it's <laughs> worth challenging, and sometimes it's it's worth biting your tongue. Like mm-hmm. it, it depends yeah, on the I situation. And I right? think
1: like doing that sort of safety assessment. Yeah, too, you have right? to take care of yourself, yeah. right? Yeah.
2: Like you do not want to put yourself in more risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it. it I mean, we want to challenge the assumptions. We want to challenge the stigma. We want to change people's minds. So eventually we're going to have to, you know. Mm -hmm. um, But it should be not just people who are sex workers doing that. It should also be people who are allies Mm -hmm. doing that. Um, So it's not fully on your your shoulders. Not even
0: that. But how about all the clients of sex workers out there? Because we are employed for a
2: reason. (laughs) Yeah, and they're not yeah, going anywhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I also think I mean that this is a, you know you could do a whole other podcast on on decriminalization, <laughs> but but it's complicated because sex sex work clients are are stigmatized in in other ways, and
0: they could get in trouble for paying for. Science. They
2: actually could get in trouble. Yeah. So if it was de- if it was decriminalized, and you know we did more work about destigmatizing, mm-hmm. it would allow them to have more voice.
0: I agree with that. Right.
2: So, I mean, that part is complicated. But yeah, it should be on everyone to stand up. Um, And just stop trolling
0: people. Just
2: don't be. Yeah. Who has the time? Like, who has the time? Yeah. Um, Yeah, who I think a lot of people apparently I I (laughs) can't. I just I don't get that.
0: I don't I don't get it. I swear more and more bots accounts every day though and it's not real people. No,
2: I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's so hurtful and it's so ignorant and just complicated and you know it's exhausting to have to explain yourself every minute of every day. You shouldn't have to do that. No
0: yes one that twitter person said i'm sorry i I allowed people to write this was like the most uh, common twitter i think guest appearance yet i got maybe like 12 questions
1: um for for today yeah oh Oh, cool
0: (laughs) like not it's not live i'm like how did they know you just put it out yeah next uh. week i'm doing this type of thing oh Cool. cool uh sex work is among those one of those emotionally exhausting jobs where people can burn out quickly what are some ways to prevent that
1: So I definitely do a lot of work with people around sort of burnout and self-care, um, exhaustion. You sound like the perfect sex worker uh, therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone should go see Mare. Um, (laughs) um, because actually social work (laughs) has a pretty high rates of exhaustion and burnout and, um, sort of compassion fatigue and things. Um, again, you know, I have a hard time sort of blanket stating, statementing, um, uh, suggestions because I don't think that anybody is sort of a one size fits all, but I think really thinking about and taking a look at what self care looks like for each of us, right? So for some people, self care is carving out hours in a week or hours in a day to, go to a yoga class or a gym class to meditate, to do certain things that feel self-carry. And for others, it's like, you know, when I'm in the shower for five minutes, I'm really taking advantage of that time. And that is a way that I'm either, you know, refreshing for my day ahead, or I'm literally like washing away the stress of the day that was. Or, um, so I think really taking a look at all of the sort of micro and, larger scale um, aspects of self-care and really deep diving into what parts are making me feel particularly Mm -hmm. exhausted and stressed out and fatigued, right? Because I think it's very easy to say, well, all of it, right? And I have a lot of people that are like, the whole thing is stressful to me. And it's really sort of breaking it down to say there are certain elements that are more or less, and let's address all of those. And I always say to people, you know, we're developing this like toolbox of skills, of coping tools, of self care things, and we pull them out in different ways and at different times when our needs. Yeah. reflect those right
0: but once you put that work in then you have it for a lifetime
1: exactly there's you know there's a principle of therapy called sort of solution focused therapy which i really love and the main principle of it one of them is if something works do more of it mm-hmm. right so Genius. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's you know a good principle for
2: yeah stress relief and, and like i mean like you could again a comparison between um sex work and social work mm-hmm. but social workers do this thing where we debrief everything like we talk about everything that triggered us and everything that's hard for us and we, we wow. yeah like it's part of our training is, uh-huh. is learning how to debrief mm-hmm. yeah I um, love
1: supervision yeah supervision <laughs> clinical
2: supervision is part like it's necessary in order for us to do our work oh my gosh so I wonder it's if
0: they're lacking like we're just yeah, like, like going about this job without a textbook that's basically I it I think that's you need I think
2: you need other people who are doing <laughs> the same thing as you to be able to to vent and to say you know to know that someone is also feeling stressed about the same thing
1: you is so helpful yeah oh, that's really right well. so yeah there's a lot of like peer groups in social work of people yeah, who want to get together and talk and yeah. sort of decompress so maybe that's I don't know if it exists right. it could be really helpful
0: I think there are well Maggie's Toronto mm-hmm. and other kind of groups but the thing i found i love all of you escorts out there but you're the worst people to try to hang out with because we are the (laughs) worst at actually showing up i don't know maybe it's because we schedule our lives so much it's like oh yeah girl let's hang out oh yeah let's hang out okay next wednesday six to nine okay yeah (laughs) like there's no just hanging out on a friday it's very scheduled scheduled and then half the time people don't show up i think it's just a lot of emotional labor that we try to skip out on yeah we got to get better at this and hang out with each other more because it will benefit us
1: well practice 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 right (laughs) I think a lot of people sort of have an expectation that you do something once and you're pro at it right so maybe the get-togethers are like that you know you do it a couple of times and you keep doing it until you guys get good at it and manage to find the time and carve the time I would love to be professional at hanging out
0: (laughs) um i also wrote what are some effects of isolation on the psyche i wrote these questions mainly because for the people that are actually like at home isolated right now not realizing what the effects are of specifically that Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's any different than effects of
1: stigma i think that there's definitely like higher rates of depression that i would say in the communities that i work with who have higher rates of isolation i mean you just don't have as many people to talk to and yeah the um, Toronto Community Foundation just did like a big study on
2: the impacts of isolation oh, I, cool. I, I suggest checking it out I will, and it's I about like do you know your neighbors like do you I do not? right like things <laughs> like that I think most of us in Toronto yeah <laughs> which is like so sad you know yeah so I uh, yeah I think there are impacts of feeling isolated and feeling alone and feeling like you can't knock on your next door neighbor's <sighs> door for a cup of sugar if well, you need especially it especially as a sex mm-hmm.
0: worker though i kind of don't want my neighbors to know me because mm, of who's fair. coming to the door and they'll be like why do you have so many visitors and i'll
2: be like mind your business jim <laughs> i <laughs> yeah so maybe you know to someone on the floor one floor down like yeah. not ne- literally <laughs> next door but like just you know you need to have people you need to have backup you need to have a community that's mm-hmm. really important in mental health yeah okay the last of the
0: effects on the psyche is uh this one's huge and it's for everyone it's leading a double life or lying um do you think it's essential to someone's mental health that they are out to their friends or family um kind of what effects does it have on someone who doesn't tell their family or friends for years even um and we constantly have to lie even if we don't want to be lying and uh that, there's just no way that's healthy, but like it must be exhausting. You <laughs> mm-hmm. must be
2: completely exhausted. Yeah, you wake
0: up exhausted. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and also like, is today the day? Is today the day it's going to happen? Is my life going to be over today? Like is no the stress gonna... and anticipation yeah. of. Yeah, dying? I mean, yeah. now I show my face and my parents still don't know, so that's just kind of like a ticking time bomb. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, that must be so hard. <laughs> that must be so hard. Yeah. And the, the the what will it be like when they find out? Like to, for you to think. I'm not asking you that. I'm no, saying no, no, like to fe- think when about you say that, here, right? Yeah. everybody else listening, exactly. what will it yeah. what will that be like? That's a, a a big weight to have on your shoulders. But also understandable why you'd want to keep some things a secret if you're feeling like someone is going to judge you or disown you mm-hmm. or treat you poorly or you know who knows what the consequence would be you know that's yeah. that's a, a big decision to to share that with your family and that's something that's got to be thought about and processed and you know someone shouldn't just a therapist shouldn't just encourage you to tell your family like it's not that simple yeah right? I
1: think it's about sort of taking a look at what are the ways in which this is sort of serving me and protecting me and helping me in many ways and what where are the areas that it's impacting me in ways that don't feel that great and how do we work with both of those elements of it to support a person right to sort of help to sort of minimize some of that stress or that anticipation that exhaustion and that burden um
0: i think a lot of us are wondering if it can be considered healthy for us to be lying like this like i don't want to have to lie i don't like it but I think it might be selfish for me to make my family carry this burden now because they'd probably lie on my behalf. But am
2: I a crazy person? Because I am constantly lying. I don't think that's crazy at all. Um, You're protecting. You just answered it. You're doing it to protect your family. That's not just a justification of a crazy person. I wouldn't I say so. so. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say so. I mean, I think it needs. To, I think it needs to be processed. I think it needs to be talked through. I think, I think you need to figure out how it's serving. Like Mayor said, and how it's serving you and how it's impeding you, mm-hmm. um, and that needs to be dissected, um, and then you make a decision based on. All of those
1: factors, yeah, right? You make an informed yeah. decision about what you're doing, right? I think sometimes we make decisions because we think it's the decision that we should be making, and we don't sort of think through what are what's the cost benefit analysis on this, right? And I think that's sort of what we're saying. I think just a lot of people think that they're, they're bad
0: people for lying like this all the time, but I don't, I don't think it's fair to make it a blanket statement saying that you're doing
1: anything wrong. No, not fair at all. No, that's not fair. And that's, that is a heavy burden to feel like I'm a bad person, right? That's such a, that's such a hard narrative to walk around with about oneself all the time, right? To be thinking I'm bad.
2: Yeah, and that is—I mean—it's all connected yeah. back to the stigma. Yeah, right. I think like it's w- still yeah. illegal
0: to be living off the avails of sex work too to this day, though.
2: No, not, not, not no. It's stop. only illegal to be living off of like if you were a pimp living off someone oh, else's exploitation. Okay. That's illegal. But okay. for you to live off your own avails okay. with no exploitation is is legal. Okay. See, I don't know this.
0: <laughs> <I would be laughs> you do. You think about it all the time. Okay, hopefully anyone listening wanting a little bit of advice uh, heard that, and will go find a lovely local therapist somewhere. Mm. Given the special circumstances associated with this occupation, is there any way a sex worker can kind of do a self-evaluation to see whether or not um, they really do need to see a therapist or whether or not they are coping with things well on themselves?
1: I mean, I am maybe biased, but I think we mm-hmm. all benefit from speaking to somebody or feeling that we have. (laughs) And it doesn't have to be a professional necessarily either, but um, I kind of, you know, I sort of break therapy up into sort of a couple different categories. And um, I say there's some people who come to see me or others who are sort of saying I have a quote-unquote problem or I have a crisis or I have this sort of big thing that I really want to talk about and process and deal with. And then my hopeful goal for most people is that we move into what I call maintenance therapy and that is a place that you're coming to check in and your maybe goals are shifting and they look a little bit different than what you originally came in for but I think it's always helpful to have a space to have another person or group of people to talk to to bounce ideas off of who is an objective more objective person to your life it doesn't have what I say to people is, like, I don't have skin in the game when it comes to the sort of outcomes and the way that your friends or maybe your family does if you t- make one choice or you make another choice, right? My job is to be here to support you in whatever that really looks like for you. So I think the evaluation is, is it something that I think would feel good or right for me? And if I do want to engage in therapy, what kind of therapy would I think that I would want to engage in? Because there's tons there's like art therapy and music therapy and and then I think sort of asking yourself like what are like what are my goals Mm -hmm. right I don't know if there's a
2: yeah I think I think sometimes people make the assumption that therapy is about like fixing Mm -hmm. something that's wrong yeah it can be a huge part it can be but it it also just can be about self-awareness yep And I think, like, no one is totally self-actualized. And and, and in that way, anyone can benefit from therapy. Like, it's just a a chance to learn about yourself Mm -hmm. and talk about yourself for an hour, which is sometimes a real treat, you know?
1: Um, When I go to therapy, I just, like, just chat. (laughs) I always go over time. I'm like, I'm not done.
0: (laughs) Get ready. I'm going to unleash. Yeah, I get that. Um... Oh, I was really excited about talking about this. What's really interesting is that labeling yourself a sex worker allied in this field is not a career ender for you, which is unique because of the accountant I had on. And he would like to be more transparent about being sex worker friendly, but there would be consequences for him. Do you feel that is a thing with therapists or is it more beneficial to say that you're so then why aren't more people i just thought about this randomly
2: i don't know if it's beneficial or detrimental like i don't think it's either i mean do you think the trafficking argument is still a
0: thing because i think a lot of people still think any sex worker is a trafficked person
2: oh a lot of people think that i face that every day in my work
0: please explain what is a trafficked person Someone who's wants.
2: being coerced, forced, manipulated into the sex trade and who someone, a third party, is benefiting from you being there. Um, for the pr- And they're exploiting you in that, right? And leaving isn't as simple as just saying, I don't want to do this anymore, right? Like, that's trafficking. Um, sex work is a completely different thing, and it's very dangerous when you conflate the two. They're totally, totally, totally different things. You need all of these elements in order for someone to be trafficked that would not be there if you were engaged in consensual sex work and then the middle is where people are really misunderstood and it's when people's situations are inherently exploitive but no person is exploiting you so poverty can exploit people mental health can exploit people addiction can exploit people but if no person is benefiting from your exploitation that's also not human trafficking right that that, you know you might need support Mm -hmm. um it's not totally choice but that's not human trafficking right like it's it's quite complicated um, and so I think I mean so many people social workers therapists agencies are jumping on the bandwagon of doing human trafficking work because it's like some it's like the sexy topic of mm-hmm. who to help right now which is disturbing um, but those people Yeah, that's people who help people who are trafficked don't necessarily have any experience in helping people who are consensually involved in sex work. Mm -hmm. They're different populations. Anyone that studied this,
0: like you have, knows that people just conflate the numbers to make it look like sex work is um, a big issue and everyone is trafficked. And I still can't get to the bottom of why. It would be bad to decriminalize it.
2: I mean, I fully believe in decriminalization and I actually think I I, I work with mostly traffic people now that's most of my work Um, and I believe in decriminalizing sex work I think it would it would help sex workers it would also have help people who are trafficked it would make it harder to traffic people it would make it harder to traffic people and it would also hopefully eventually reduce stigma which would get more people to say this person is in fact being trafficked right this person is in fact being exploited um This person is not doing this consensually. Let's do something about it. But you can't currently do that because of the state of this one-sided, criminalized law. Thank you for all of your years of wisdom. I, despite
0: being in this industry for, I guess, six years now, still don't have this kind of reference base. I mean, how long did it take you to
2: Oh, you know more than me. That's for sure. (laughs) That's for sure. Anyone with lived experience knows more than me. Um... Yeah, my experience is, is, is working with people, right? Like, I'm learning from the people I work with. Mm-hmm. I'm learning from the clients yeah, our agency works with. They, they teach me. And um, yeah, to me, it's very obvious that decriminalization would help people who are trafficked and people who are um, doing circumstantial sex work and people who are doing consensual by choice sex work.
0: Agreed. Let's listen to sex workers more, Uh, starting with this podcast. (laughs) Um, I guess the only one kind of question I have left is, I think a lot of people are in relationships, um, um, romantic or otherwise, and I think that uh, the whole... I don't know if it's condescending or degrading or debasing sex workers kind of comes out when someone's mad at you or whatever it is. And is it kind of our responsibility? Not responsibility, but should you give people an allowance to kind of get there with being accepting of sex work? We all get called a bunch of everything under the sun whenever people are mad is... It completely intolerable, or is there a certain amount of like allowance you have to give people? I know that sounds ridiculous, but the reality is, the amount of like insults
1: we get slew and is like ridiculous. Sorry, so, do you mean when so you yourself are in a romantic awful. relationship and you get into an argument with somebody? But yeah, also, and it could be like a close friendship.
0: It's not necessarily a romantic one. I see. But yeah, like, and then later they're like, "I didn't mean that," but like, I, I feel that a lot of us get
1: insulted. I mean, to me, that sounds I, like somewhat abusive. Yeah, like that's that's verbal abuse yeah. and yeah. emotional abuse, and I, I wouldn't th- I wouldn't tolerate that. But but myself,
2: right? Like, but that's that's also your decision and your choice. Um, I think that's not
1: something that you should have to tolerate. That's not. Uh, yeah, I okay. don't think just because you do a certain type of work means that somebody has carte blanche to call you names right. and i think me even asking this shows th- that i'm biased Threshold about i guess yeah, the it, tolerance for other people's behaviors when they're upset when they're targeted towards us but um no i don't think it gives somebody carte blanche no. to say whatever they want to me because of what i
2: do and they're, no. the reason they're saying is that they know that that's going to be offensive and hurtful, right? Yeah. The intention is to hurt. Um the specific why, question... Why are they intending to hurt you? Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: The specific question said this, but I've heard this question before, but they wrote, how can you tell if your relationship outside of sex work has any huge red flags? And I know it's relating to the language used, so
2: i would say that that's something that's that should be a pretty be. big red flag yeah and something that should be talked about like mm-hmm. you know why why are you doing that like why why like you know how hurtful that is to me mm-hmm. and why,
1: why why when you the, get so upset is that what you is that is that where you go to? Yeah, yeah is that where you go right yeah. yeah
0: in your experience that wouldn't get better with time though
1: I mean, look, it really depends. Every relationship is very different. And I think it's about how you're able to communicate with that person. And I think, you know, having a conversation about language, about the impact of language, about, I think, what Carly's saying, that intention behind the use of language. Um, And, you know, I think, I I can't, it's, again, hard to put a sort of blanket statement on. I can't say somebody's says something to you once and then like no that will never get better but at the same time I like you know would I be condoning somebody doing it over and over and over again to the point that your self-esteem and how you think about yourself is completely in the toilet like no No. absolutely not right um so
0: um I think those were all the questions I have for you guys thank you so much Thanks did you no, did either awesome. of you have any kind of like parting advice you've always maybe wanted to just say to sex workers or clients or listeners out there just
2: know that people are out there that respect you and see what you're doing as valid work Mm -hmm. and yeah just know that um, we're sorry for all the therapists that (laughs) you have had that are that have treated you with judgment or stigma yeah that sucks and that's not fair and uh yeah just know that there are people out there that will will respect you and that think what you're doing is yeah totally legitimate and cool and awesome if you like it um and power to you yeah
1: were there other Twitter questions that you wanted us to answer or no?
0: I kinda like peppered them in there. Okay. While we were. Who we has got hundred and twenty likes in five days for this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, someone wrote why am I able to switch off while either having sex or giving dances, not being out of it, but not fully present either.
2: I don't feel bad about what I do. I just get brackets zoned out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's totally normal. Yeah. Yeah, I would get I get zoned out when I do some parts of my job too, right? Like <laughs> that's totally normal. Yeah, and I think sometimes, sometimes when you're sometimes so used to doing working, things, Yeah, when you're working and you're doing <laughs> things that are so mundane to you, you know, sometimes your brain just can can do those like function well also doing something else. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it I, could be a dissociation if it is triggering in some way, but it
1: doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that. Yeah, I think the key word in that question, too, is it doesn't bother me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's sort of the answer to this person's own
2: question. Yeah, sometimes our brains go me. to other places to yeah. protect us, and sometimes our brain go, goes to other places when we're, we're just distracted. Yeah. Right? Like
0: yeah. Doing something repetitive. Yeah, a exactly. Yeah. Like laundry. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you ladies so much. No problem. Our pleasure. All right. Thank you for listening everyone, and thank you so much Meredith and Carly for being on the show today. Um I would love to make a resources page on the podcast website for any other sex worker allied therapists open to taking on new clients. If you're a sex worker allied therapist or any other kind of professional that would like to be listed, as sex worker allied on a resource page, uh, I would love if you just emailed the show. I'm not entirely sure how this is going to work out because it's not something I've ever done before, but I would like to be able to make these resources available to people. I think a lot of times, even if someone has a therapist as a sex worker that they enjoy, they can't give away that therapist information because they are then being you know overly divulgent about their personal information so if you want to be just listed as someone a sex worker can contact get in touch with the show and i will make a resources page on the podcast website and uh, we'll see how that works out you do not have to reside in the gta or toronto area it can be in any area regardless i will make different cities different countries um we'll see how this works out I would just really like to see if I can make this available to people happy Monday everyone don't forget to love yourself first and everything else is possible stay curious out there